Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. I think we can all just go. I think we're good. <laughs> um, thank you so much uh, for that, Sandra. It was uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> we're going to be in Matthew chapter five tonight. Matthew chapter five, verses one through twelve. Which now I'm realizing I don't think I put that on the slides. Huh. All right. Well, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountains, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Let's pray before we begin. God, I thank you for our time together, and I thank you that we can come together and worship you and look at the scripture. And I pray as we dive into Matthew chapter 5 that we will see the vision that you have laid out for us. In your name, amen. It's kind of fun when God works things all out. A couple months ago, Pastor Sam did a series called Discipleship. Then we moved into Mission 2023. And then Lauren and I decided to do Vision 2023. And God is putting a bow on it because tonight, after service, please join us for a discipleship class. <laughs> but our vision as Christ-centered community ministries and as a church is helping others live Christ-centered lives. And last week, we saw Jesus cast a vision for us in regards to how we should relate to others. We're called to be fishers of men. And this week, we will see a vision that Jesus is casting for us, his current disciples, and how we should live or how we should be. We were given the vision to be fishers of men. We know that we're to go and preach, teach, reach. But how are we supposed to be as we go? The Beatitudes describe Jesus' vision for how we are to live our lives, how, what characteristics we should have. And what, and because we are disciples of him, those are the character, characteristics that should be evident in our lives. We see in Matthew chapter 5 that the Beatitudes represent the vision Jesus has for us as his disciples. Before we jump in, here's a little context. Matthew chapter 4, Lauren did do Luke, but Jesus does call his disciples, and that happens in Matthew chapter 4 right before we get to Matthew Five in our section. So we have Jesus calling his disciples saying, come be fishers of men. 
And then we get a little tidbit on Jesus starting his ministry, how he went out and was healing people, um, doing miracles, lots of different things. We kind of get a little tidbit, and then we jump right into the Sermon on the Mount. And we see that the first verse of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And before we even jump in, that's the first thing that we have to realize. We have to come to Jesus. We can't be off doing our own thing, not paying attention, even being too busy with ministry things, not actually coming to Jesus and figuring out what the vision is. We have to go to him like his disciples did. So that's the first thing. We also see that with last week's message. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, not come to me and you will become fishers of men. He will make us fishers of men. And the last thing before we jump in is the blessed part. We're going to get that out of the way first. So blessed be, blessed are. That means having a desired outcome. So it's the best possible outcome that you can have. Um, it also can mean happy, but not in the way we think of happy. We think of happy as this fleeting emotion. We're happy for a moment, something bad happens, and it's gone. We're sad. This is more of an internal joy that comes from the knowledge based on the assurance of God's blessings. We know that he's going to take care of us. We know that the outcome, the second half of the Beatitudes, the blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall. That's the blessed part. That's the good outcome. So now that we are armed with this knowledge, how do we go to Jesus to hear his vision? Knowing that we can have joy, knowing that we have good outcomes if we follow this vision, what is Jesus' vision for how we should be as his disciples? We see that the first vision, B, is that we should be humble. We jump in straight to verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? We think of poor as a lack of money, a lack of resources. And while that is a correct definition of it, it's not the definition we're talking about here. The poor in spirit is a spiritual bankruptcy. Um, one's inability to be righteous on their own. It's an understanding that outside of God, I can't be righteous. I'm not good without God. And that's where we have to start. All of the Beatitudes build on each other. You have to start with that knowledge that you are poor in spirit before you can even get to the rest of them. So if you are poor in spirit... What is the outcome of that? We see there, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of an understanding of you are an owner of nothing, an inheritor of everything. So while you're here on earth, you understand without God, I am nothing, I have nothing. But with the knowledge, the good outcome of that, the blessed part being that you inherit the kingdom of heaven. That is yours. You know it's yours. You can rest in the knowledge that that is yours. But how does that make you humble. When you have that correct view of yourself, that leads to a humble spirit. Because if you realize that apart from God, you can't do things, that will naturally lead to a humble spirit. A quote that I really liked was from um, a man, I don't remember his first name, but last name Carson. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is not given on basis of race, earned merits, military zeal, the prowess of zealots, or the wealth of Zacchaeus. 
is given to the poor, the prostitutes, those who are so poor they can offer nothing and do not try. They cry for mercy and alone are heard. And that's the spirit that we need to have in order to start our journey on the Beatitudes. You have to start there. So if you are poor in spirit, you have your correct view of your sin, what happens next? Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So when you understand your spiritual bankruptcy, it causes a, a mourn, a mourning, a deep grief of not a casual upsetness like, oh yeah, without God I'm nothing, okay, on with my day. Um, there's an understanding that that's a, a, should cause a deep sadness in you. Um, it's the thought of mourning a loved one very close to you. So if we have that poor in spirit, if we're mourning, what is the outcome of our mourning? We are promised comfort from God in our mourning. God's grace is given to us when we mourn, and that grace leads to that blessed, that joy, that comfort. So we're poor in spirit, we're mourning. What happens next? Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek, again, is another one where we tend to struggle with that. I don't like the word meek. <laughs> I understand that it means a more of a gentleness, a strength under control. It's very common to say meek does not equal weak. Um, but even back in Jesus' time, that it was a struggle, I think, for them to even understand the difference. Um, a meekness uh, is those who are powerful, but who have a maturity and a grace to use their power for constructive rather than destructive purposes. Uh, the martial arts definition we teach the kid is strength and will under control. So our meekness is that humility out loud to other people. Our poor in spirit, our mourning is most commonly internal between you and God, and that meekness is it coming out. It's how we display humility in our relationships with others. It's a trust that God's got us, and he will protect our cause. We don't have to fight for our cause. He's got us. He will not allow us to get the short end of the stick. So what is our outcome of our meekness? We will inherit the earth. And that is a reference to the kingdom of heaven, not the earth here, the earth later at the end. No one mourns until they realize that they're poor of spirit, and no one is meek outwardly until we realize that we need God in that deep way. Are you poor in spirit, recognizing your deep need for God? Do you mourn over your sinfulness? Does that flow out of you to display meekness? Once we understand Jesus' vision for us being humble, we can see that his next point, his vision is for us to, is for us to be other-oriented. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the first blessed, the first beatitude here, hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does that mean? Okay, so we have a desire, a passion for 
God, for righteousness. There's a desire, there's a passion to develop those things, to work at them. Um, it's a sign of health. Being hungry means that you're healthy. If you lose your appetite, that's not a good sign. Usually go to the doctor if that happens. But it's interesting how the outcome of that is we'll be satisfied. So Jesus, both we should hunger and thirst for him, and he is our satisfaction. I don't know about you, but uh, when I played sports in the summer, nothing was better than a really cold drink after standing in the outfield when the pitcher was just walking people over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the concept of being so hungry and thinking of eating like your favorite meal and how good that feels afterwards. And that's what Jesus is for us. We desire that. And then when we come close to him, it's satisfying. But just like our hunger, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. And that is another orientation with God. We're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about God and our need for him. And we're longing and thirst, thirsting for that. So what is the next progression of that? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So what does that mean? There's a, there's a give and take with that. It's an understanding of, I need mercy, and I'm going to give mercy because I understand that I also need mercy. I just had a conversation with the martial arts kids about patience and how, you know, how are you patient with other people? What do you have to do to be patient with other people? And they talked about, you know, screaming into a pillow and talking to people about when they're not patient and removing themselves from the situation when someone is really making them upset. And I brought up the point of, well, we need patience. Like, people give us patience. We're not always perfect. Sometimes we can be really annoying. If people are patient with us, why don't we extend that patience? And that's the same thing with the merciful here, being merciful with other people, knowing full well that one, God gave you mercy, and other people should give you mercy. It's an other orientation based on that we will always need mercy, and we should always be ready to give mercy. The next beatitude, pure in heart. Pure in heart means that you are fit, able to see God. It's kind of a sense of being clean, but being appropriate to present yourself before God. So only the pure heart can see God, and that purity happens through a, a faith. That it's an other orientation by focusing, again, on our need for God, for examining your life, making sure that you have that right standing before God. And the last one in this section is peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? In Proverbs 12.20, it says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. It's an active thing. Being a peacemaker is different than being a peacekeeper. Sometimes we back off and just let things happen because I want to keep the peace. And I think sometimes being a peacemaker is more active. If you're in a situation where maybe there's some strife, going out of the way to try to make peace there. Sometimes not getting involved is the best way to be a peacemaker. Sometimes it is stepping up and being that peacemaker. It's not from a 
place of power. You have to remember all of the past beatitudes to get to this point. So you're still being merciful. You're still being meek. You're still understanding that, you know, you are poor in spirit. And then you can progress to being a peacemaker. It's done out of the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. That's the basis of being a peacemaker. And the outcome of that is knowing that God is the ultimate peacemaker. And if we are peacemakers, we will be identified with him. That's what the sons of God means, is people will see God in us. If you are a peacemaker, you will be called a son of God. You'll be identified with God. So we see that they continue to build. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we are merciful, and we will be pure of heart, and then we can be peacemakers. Do you hunger for more of God? Is that the desire of your heart? Are you merciful to others and strive to make peace? Are your desires for God and for the good of others? After we humble ourselves before God and orient our hearts and desires towards God and others, we can see Jesus' vision is for us to be kingdom-minded. So lastly, Jesus' vision is for us to be kingdom-minded. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So last beatitude, a little different. It is... Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's two reasons to be persecuted. For righteousness' sake and for his sake. His sake being Jesus, God. For righteousness' sake is you living this vision out. So you are living these beatitudes out and you're persecuted because of that reason. For his sake is because you are faithfully living that vision. Very, very similar. It's not... I feel like at times we are very blessed to live in this country. I do not think we are persecuted as Christians here. There are many countries where it is horrible. And I think sometimes people can get a little whiny about it. And when you think about blessed are those who are persecuted, it is a blessing. It is a good outcome. It should bring joy. Now, I understand I could never be in that situation. It would be very, very hard. Um, but you see that in you know Paul's life. Anytime he was persecuted, there was always praise to God. It was never a rejoicing in, yay, I'm being persecuted. I'm so excited. It's understanding that you know you're because you're doing it for God, because you're doing it for Jesus, there's a, a comfort, a joy in that, knowing this is temporary. I have the kingdom. I'm going. God promises to take care of me, even if this is happening. And we see that that's the blessings you get for being persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the long term. Knowing and understanding that that's the goal. That's the outcome. That's the vision. Later in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 44, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's how you handle that. One, pray for them. And then two, knowing that this is temporary and you have 
the kingdom of heaven coming. Are you faithfully serving God in a way that would that could cause you to be persecuted for his sake? When people see you, do they see Jesus? Are they fo- are you focused on the kingdom and the things on this earth that are long-term, that matter in heaven? Last part of verse 12, Jesus points out, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. At that time, the disciples would think Old Testament prophets. And they were persecuted, but when you think about the disciples, a lot of them were martyred. And that's who we think about. So you can see that they lived out that vision. They did it. They were persecuted for his sake. Ultimately, these teachings were revolutionary back then, and I still think they kind of are today. God's blessings aren't for the self-righteous, the proud, the wealthy, the strong, but rather for those who faithfully follow his vision of humility, mercy, and faithfulness to him. Blessings are not physical, not not visual, and they may not even be in the here and now. But rather, they are works of God in our lives and the promise of entering his eternal kingdom. So how do we apply this? First, if you want God's blessings, if you truly want to follow the vision Jesus had for your life, start with examining your life. Do you have a correct view of your need for God? Are you poor in spirit? If not, now's the time to start. Pray that God will give you a correct view of your sin, give you a correct view of yourself in light of eternity. And if you're somewhere in the middle of walking this vision Jesus had has set before us, consider this. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Beatitudes precede the following verses about being salt and light. In verses 13 through 16, Jesus lays out how we are to be salt and light to the world. And how do we do that? By living out the Beatitudes. Evaluate where you are in your progression of the Beatitudes. Are you working on being humble? Are you working on being other-oriented? Are you working on having a kingdom mindset? Wherever you are today, ask God for help to continue in this vision Jesus had for you. And lastly, remember you will have joy and you will complete the vision if you be these things. A vision statement is often about long-term goals, the perfect world. If we accomplish our mission, this is what the world will look like. So remember, we need to be the Beatitudes to fulfill Jesus' vision for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the vision that was laid out for us. I pray wherever we are in the Beatitudes that we will take the time to evaluate where we are and desire to fulfill this vision. I pray that if there's anyone that needs any assistance or help or wants to know more, that they will feel comfortable reaching out and that it will be a time of great rejoicing with each other. In your name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.